Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams. Welcome to the Women in Paint podcast, sponsored by the PCA. I am Michael Cheney, the owner of No Drip Painting, where we are changing lives through paint. And Rob, I have to ask, are you a Beyonce fan? Is that who that was? I thought that was okay. <laughs> that wasn't the Carpenters. All right. Um, I guess hey, I'm probably not. I don't know. Okay. You know, I assumed as much, but it never hurts <laughs> to ask. Um, on the show today, I have Rob Berger. He is the founder of doughroller.net, the author of How to Retire Before Mom and Dad. He's a former managing editor at Forbes. And last but not least, he is a retired lawyer. And I know that that is uh, a mouthful there. But Rob, thanks for joining me on the show today. And if you haven't noticed yet, we are going to talk about money. Now, Rob, I think to, for someone like you, money is not a scary topic, but why do you think, uh, at least for most people, and I'll admit I fall in this category, that money is somewhat of a topic that we're apprehensive to talk about? That's a great question. I mean, and I think there are a number of reasons. You know, we, it's not something we're taught in school for the most part. Uh, we're kind of left on our own. I, I think in a lot of cases, parents don't talk about it. I mean, my parents didn't really talk to me about money. Uh, and then, you know, there's the emotional side of it, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, just fear of getting the bills paid every month or the excitement of possibly making some money. You know, either one of those, if, the, if you go to an extreme, can create issues for folks. Uh, and then there's just a lot of unknowns. The stock market seems, you know, complicated and, and, and scary. And so, you know, you add all of those things together and it can create either a lot of fear about money. Um, maybe in some cases it creates greed, if you will, uh, about money. And either one can lead us down a path of making some decisions that perhaps aren't in our best interest. Yeah, very good. Do you have, uh, you know, kind of an insight or maybe even suggestions, if you will, on how to create a healthy relationship with money if you haven't been taught this in school? You know, maybe, uh, you know, your parents, uh, you know, you might you might have heard their stress about money. And and, uh, you know, there's also kind of uh, sometimes the connotation that goes with having money is being greedy and things like that. So often we're, you know, we have all these outside thoughts that we get uh, imposed on us. H how do you create a healthy relationship with money? What, what's your answer to that? Well, that's another great question. These are tough ones. You started out with some tough questions. Uh, right? And listen, I, I, like, I like to come full force from the beginning. Uh, 
I think the starting point, and, and this, you, you often hear you should have a budget, you should understand where your money's going. And I, I actually do think in terms of a healthy relationship with money, by the way, not much different than a healthy relationship with food. You know, if you look back yesterday, what did you eat? Well, a lot of people are going to remember, maybe, not really. You didn't think about it. You just ate. And, and the same is with money. You know, how did you spend your money the last month? I mean, for some things we know, you know, rent is X dollars a month, so we know. But, you know, how much did you spend eating out? Most people won't have an answer to that. They may have some idea. What they do know is right before paycheck, the next paycheck, they've, they've run out of money. And so I think that a healthy relationship with money begins by understanding where it's going. Mm -hmm. Because bef before you know where it's going, one thing you can't really do is control it, right? And you can't have a healthy relationship with money, or for that matter, food, unless you're controlling it. And so to me, that's step one. It's, it's the beginning. It's, you know, because I think having a healthy relationship with money is a process, and it's probably not something you ever conquer. It's, it's a sort of an ongoing thing. Like, by the way, like any relationship, you know, you don't just conquer a relationship. It's got, it takes work. And so money is the same way, but that to me is the starting point. Understand where your money's going and then begin to start to take some control over, over that and how you, you spend it. I mean, go into all kinds of details about any of those things, but to me, that's the starting point. Right. It's just not being afraid to, to kind of look at what, what you've really, what you've kind of done. And, you know, we've talked about that a lot on this show um, because obviously as a business owner like myself and, and you knowing your numbers, knowing where your money is going, knowing how much you have left in the bank at the end of the month, that's obviously essential to running a business. Um, so on that note, what I, what I kind of want to talk about today are, you know, what can business owners like me do? Um, and I kind of want to talk about it from a phase of if you're just starting to open a business or starting a painting business, what can you do in the beginning, especially when you might feel like you don't have a lot of money? And then the second piece of that, I think we can maybe talk about and explore the ideas of what can folks do who are maybe a little bit established and they're outside of that startup phase. They're now maybe in the growing phase where they do have a little bit of leftover money where they can start investing or, you know, put in a savings account. I'm not sure. That's why you're here. Um, but what, what, what can, how, what kind of advice can you give someone who has just started a painting business who are, they're wearing all the hats. They might, you know, they're the owner, they're the estimator, they're the painter. They're doing everything they can to make men, ends meet. Where, where do you start with trying to save money and create some sort of financial stability for you and your business? Yeah. So the, the first thing I think to acknowledge when you, particularly when you're starting a business is that it's hard. Starting a business is hard. You're working countless hours. You've been there. I've been there. Uh, and um, I, I, But I think it's important to recognize that it's hard. So like if someone's feeling overwhelmed, uh, my answer to that is, yeah, that's normal. That's exactly how you're going to feel when you're starting a business. Don't You're not doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. That's how it, That's just how it is. Uh, the second thing I would say, and this is, I think, good news for just about anybody, except let, at least anybody that's not as old as I am, <laughs> is that you don't need to save a lot of money each month to see a really big difference down the road. I mean, if you know, if you tell a 20-year-old, 18-year-old out of high school, you need to have a million dollars by the time you retire, and they're making 15 bucks an hour or 20 bucks an hour, uh, that's going to seem impossible. You, you compare a small amount of money, relatively speaking, to this big pile of money that you want at the end, and it just doesn't, the two can't connect. 
But the reality is over a working career, if you can save a hundred bucks a month, 150, uh, might not be doable now, but relatively small amount of money and you invest it wisely, we can talk about what that means. You, you know, you'll have a million bucks when you retire. Now, of course, inflation is going to eat away some of that, but of course you're going to get raises over time and maybe do better. Mm-hmm. But the point is you don't need to think about saving thousands of dollars a month. Great, by the way, if you can do it. But when you're just starting out, you don't need to save a lot of money to make a big difference. The other thing I would say uh, is you do have to make it a priority. Now, that may not be the case on literally day one of your new business mm-hmm. uh, because you're probably using every dollar you can just to keep things moving. But it's got to be a priority. It can't be the last thing you think about when you look at your, your, your financial situation. It's got to be the first thing you think about. Even if today you say, I can't save. Every month I would be, okay, how much can I save? And even if it's 25 bucks out of a business, you can pull out of your business to pay yourself to put in an IRA, for example, for retirement, uh, uh, you should do it. It builds the habit of saving. Obviously, you want to be able to increase that amount over time, but that's really important. Um, For those that are more established and have a lot more money, potentially, one of the great things about owning owning a business, and it does depend on the business, uh, how it's structured, but you have retirement accounts that you can use for businesses that allow you to save a lot more money than you could if you're just an employee. A SEP IRA is one example. Now, it gets complicated if you have employees versus contractors. Uh, and so you have to think about that because uh, with employees, what you do for yourself, you often have to do for your employees as well. Uh, and, and there, I would recommend just speaking to a SEP IRA provider. It could be Fidelity, for example. They'll talk to you for free and give you all the information you could possibly need about how it would work for your specific business. Um, My wife and I, we have a solo 401k. We don't have employees other than the two of us. We have contractors and we're allowed to contribute significantly more than if I were just an employee. so, So there are account types that small business owners can take advantage of. Again, depends on on the nature of their business. Um, but it's something that they definitely ought to look into. Okay, that, that's great information. I want to go back to what you originally started talking about, which is if the goal is to save a million bucks, you don't need to think of the end goal every time you're putting 100 bucks in in the bank account because that seems relatively overwhelming, stressful, right? Um, so, I, so I like what you're saying in terms of the goal is, it sounds like, to be consistent to get something started. And if you have to start small, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 the goal you should think about is saving 50 bucks a month or 100 bucks a month or whatever the number is for you. That should be your focus, not the million bucks at the end of the rainbow that you need. Right. Uh, because what's going to happen, compounding. So, you know, you, you start with 100 bucks and after a month, you've got a, maybe $100.25 in the account, maybe. Uh, it's like, this, this doesn't seem to be working. What's wrong here? But what happens uh, over time is eventually you're going to start earning more from your investments than you're actually putting in because compounding just takes over. The thing is, is it takes time. Uh, and, and that's where if you're younger, that's your biggest advantage. If you're in your 20s, for example, and you've got 30, 40 years before, you, you know, maybe even longer before you decide to retire, um, compounding is your friend. And when you're in your 50s, if you've saved diligently, your investments will be making far more money, not only far more money than you're putting in, they, they may get to a point where they're making more money than you make from your, your nine to five job or your business. 
Um, that's hard to see. It, it, conceptually, it doesn't add up when we think about it. And, you know, try to do it the math in your head. It doesn't seem to work. Right. Uh, but it does. You just go to any compound, you know, savings calculator and put in 200 bucks a month at an eight, eight or nine percent return for 40 years. And the number is going to surprise you. OK, so when someone is starting to save that hundred dollars, uh, do they just save it in a savings account? Or what do you do with even the small incremental amount you can save? So great question. I think about it in steps. So the first step is I, I, an emergency fund. That's particularly important if, as for business owners. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly how long that's going to, how much that's going to be. You know, there's no one answer to it. You know, the sort of rule of thumb is three to six months of living expenses. I think that's reasonable. So that's step one. Step two would then be to get rid of any high interest debt. Like if you've got high interest credit card debt, I wouldn't worry about quickly paying down a 3% mortgage. That to me would not be my focus. But if you've got 25% credit card debt, that's a big deal. I'd get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And then once you can actually start to invest, then it's it's really simple. I would, you know, assuming we're, we're talking about retirement, I would, you know, maybe open up an IRA. Could be a business retirement account like we talked about, just depends on the circumstances. I would go to a Fidelity or a Schwab or a Vanguard. I think all of those are reasonable. Um, and in an IRA, you can literally put your money into one, one account. They have what are called target date retirement funds. It's not the only option, but if you want to keep it super simple, uh, Fidelity has them, Vanguard has them. Uh, and what they do is they take your money and they invest it for you in uh, U.S. stocks, international stocks, and in some bonds based on your age. You, you literally pick the fund based on when you think you're going to retire. So they'll have a 2060 fund for people that think they're going to retire sometime around 2000, 2060. Uh, they're very inexpensive. Uh, if you get in, they're called index funds are the kind that I like. Um, and, and it can be that simple. Now you can you can get a little more complicated if you want to, and I do not a lot more complicated, but it's a great way to get started. It's a single fund; you put all your money in that one fund, um, and that's it. Okay. And would that work for say you know our painters who might be making twenty five bucks an hour? Is that a good way for them to get started? Absolutely. Okay. Very yeah, good. If you go to Fidelity, the, the, for example, the, I don't even think they have a minimum, but you could put 25 bucks a month aside. Okay. Very. And by the way, that. just so, so we understand it, that $25 in a target date retirement fund, they're literally going to invest it for you in over 10,000 companies across the world, across the globe, and over 10,000 bonds. So you get immediate diversification and it doesn't matter if you're investing $25 or $25 million. And since you have... Thing. Since you have like the fidelity basically doing the work for you, uh, someone like me, I don't necessarily need to, do I need to pick where this money's going? Like, I, I think for people who hear about investing, it sounds like such a scary world. Is it kind of hands off for someone that doesn't feel like they know a whole lot about this world? It, it is. You do have to pick the fund or funds you want your money to go into. Now you could call Fidelity or again, or Vanguard and say, I'd like a target date retirement fund. Fidelity has two different kinds. I don't know how much we want to get into this, but I would prefer the index fund version. And I can explain what that is if you want me to. But um, once you set that up and you have the fund selected, you can automate the, the contributions. You can say, I want 50 bucks a month to go into Fidelity and put into that fund. Um, I mean, it's that, it's that simple. So it sounds pretty user-friendly. 
You mentioned credit cards, um, and I kind of see credit cards as they can be a double-edged sword. They're a way to build your credit quickly and and in a in a very great way, but credit cards can also really ruin your credit. And uh, you know, if you've got interest on there, it, it like you said, the high interest cards are something you want to get rid of. What, what what is the use or what should the use be for businesses and having maybe a business credit card? What what should that look like? So I think it's actually pretty important to have a business credit card. Uh, uh, one reason is it's an easy way to keep your personal expenses and your business expenses separate. I have a couple business credit cards. They connect easily with QuickBooks or I'm sure just about any other small business accounting software you use. And you get rewards. I mean, you know, every dollar counts. So if you get a 2% cash back card and you're putting, you know, depending on the business, you might end up actually putting a lot of money on a credit card. It, it can actually have a, a not insignificant effect on the bottom line. Obviously, the key and the goal is to pay that card off in full every month. If you're unable to do that, and it's anything but a temporary cash flow issue that, you, that gets resolved a month later, let's say, then you have to start asking some difficult questions, I think, you know, because you basically you have a business that can't pay for itself. Now, you know, when you're starting out, maybe that's the case for a short period of time. I'm very conservative when it comes to finances. I didn't go into any debt with my business um, and that and I'm not going into debt now with my business, which means I probably grow it slower than I might otherwise be able to, I suppose. But I just feel that that's the, the, the best way to go. Now, again, every business is different. My business doesn't have the capital requirements that uh, even a, a painting contractor would have uh, with equipment and trucks and all that mm -hmm. sort of thing. But so each situation is different. But you, you really, you know, you can get into a, a bad debt spiral with credit cards and the interest is just going to kill you quickly. So it's something you've got to give a lot of thought to as you plan your business and execute it. You mentioned keeping your personal expenses separate from your business. Now, I know how important that is. Uh, you know, some of the folks that are going to find find this episode are just starting. And I remember when I just started, I didn't have a separate, you know, bank account. I operated out of my personal account. Can you just kind of give an overview of why it's really essential to have the the expenses, all the purchases separated, and not be yeah. operating out of your personal account? Yeah, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, obviously, the, the first is for a tax perspective. You're going to be deducting your expenses, your business expenses from your, your business income as part of your tax return, regardless of your corporate form and whether it's, you know, um, a pass through or not, you know. But uh, so you want to have you don't in theory, you don't have to separate them. Right. You could just keep track of it and have keep receipts. But that gets complicated and you're you're busy enough trying to get your, your, your you know your company off the ground the last thing you want to have to be doing is going through a personal credit card statement personal checking account to figure out what was a business expense and what wasn't and so to me a business bank account you know you get them pretty much for free now if you have any amount of money in the account you can get a no annual fee business credit card it just keeps everything separate and then that becomes important later on if for example you want to get a business loan and the bank wants to see your financial statements. Um, or the day comes when maybe you want to sell your business. You never know. Um, and you don't want to have to be going into your personal account to show them, well, no, this was a business expense. This wasn't, you know, you want to keep everything separate. And it's just easier to do it right from the beginning, which by the way, like you, I didn't either. When I first started my first website in 2007, 
I wasn't even thinking about this sort of thing. Um, it wasn't until six months, I, six months later, I, I did, but it, yeah, it, 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 I don't think that's unusual. Yeah. Right, right on. Definitely. And you know, the other thing that I'll say is when, when you start to grow and when your business starts to grow, trying to go back and untangle some of the things like bank accounts gets much more difficult. So the advice I usually get give to folks is start those things right away, even if it feels uncomfortable, you know, separate your accounts, get some processes in place, because uh, it, it gives you more of a foundation to kind of grow, you know, grow from there. The, um, the other thing I'll just quickly say is I would hire a bookkeeper too. Mm -hmm. I did it myself for a, a while. Um, they're not expensive. I mean, it depends how complicated your bookkeeping is. Today, I pay $200 a month for someone to, to do all the bookkeeping for me and they, they get it done right. And um, it's just one less thing you have to worry about. Uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because for, for years I did my own books and I shouldn't have been doing it. Now I figured it out. I, uh, you know, suffered through all the headaches of trying to learn QuickBooks. When I finally got what I ended up doing is I just got an accountant who's also the bookkeeper yeah. and yeah. it made my life so much easier. Uh, you know, tax time is so much easier. The other thing that you get when you have something like that is a teammate really that yeah. can then help you develop strategy. So I know in the beginning of stages of business, people maybe don't have the capacity to think about strategy or just trying to figure out where to get your next job. But when you actually understand your numbers, then you can create strategy, have growth plans and, and get a different view of the business. So I think having a bookkeeper is essential and you're right. It's not as expensive as you think. And you, I found that having a bookkeeper actually ends up saving you money because they can help you find some of the holes in your business. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any suggestions on how someone finds a bookkeeper? Well, you know, if you if you can use your, your tax accountant or tax preparer, that I think that might that's a great way to go. Uh, but then just get recommendations from other business owners, which I think it's important to develop relationships with other business owners in your community. Or in my case, it's it's not local, but um, I got my bookkeeper through a friend who has his own business and and like I do, owns a number of websites. And it turns out the bookkeeper, uh, one of the advantages of that, if you, if you find like, for example, in the painting business, you'll find bookkeepers that have a lot of painting contractors mm -hmm. as clients. And the good thing about that is they understand the business. So my bookkeeper happened to do a lot of bookkeeping for website owners. So she understands the business. So I had that advantage too. So that, that's, you know, trying to get a recommendation from within the business community, I think might be a, a good way to, to go. Very good. Now, if you have a business who is kind of in the growth phase, is there different advice that you would give in terms of saving and investing that might fall outside of the IRA? I know you mentioned you like the index funds and then you mentioned uh, the SEPT IRA opportunity. It, it, what, what point do you need to think differently about your investing when you're the business owner? So I would separate it into two things. One is figuring out what, what account types you should be investing in, like a SEP IRA, a solo 401k. Again, depends on the nature of your business, uh, an IRA. So those are all retirement accounts. And of course, 
they all have limits to the contributions you can make. Now, for some of the business accounts, the limits can be quite high. But so, so that's one thing. Now, um, and then beyond that, you have just a taxable account. Now, in either one of those, I think index funds are primarily the way most people should invest. So the, the investment strategy, for the most part, uh, doesn't change. You can get into some, some nuances as to what type of index funds to own in a retirement account versus a Roth versus a taxable. It's a different issue. But um, I think that's the, you know pretty much the question. Account types and then you've got index funds. The only thing else I would mention is if someone's really got a big business, it's growing well, you could consider what's called a defined benefit plan. I would say generally they're only for people, I would say at least 50 or older, and there are reasons for that. If you're younger than that, they, they probably don't make much sense. Uh, and they're much more complicated. You have to hire someone to set up all the paperwork. But the potential advantage, and again, it depends on the business and how much you're making, is you can literally save hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, tax deferred in a defined benefit plan. Now, again, it, it's not going to be for everyone, but if you've got some contractors that have you know big business generating a lot of income and they're older now, maybe they've been working in their business for 20 years or more, uh, it might be something at least to think about as a defined, defined benefit plan. Okay. That's, well, that's great information. And I, you know, I hope at some point you'll come back on because I think we can dig in more, you know, to more details on some of the stuff that you mentioned. Um, one thing that, you know, I, I, I ask everyone uh, on the show is how they take care of themselves. So I've got to ask you the question, but how do you yeah, take care of yourself, take care of your mind so that you can show up for your business for the, the team that works for you, you stay motivated. What do you do for yourself to take care of Rob Berger? That's a good question. Well, I eat right, which for me basically means no processed food. That's basically the rule, I, which you know, no, no refined sugar, no, no, none of the good stuff, basically. I can't even <laughs> give me the good stuff. You know, I, I certainly have my cheat days or cheat moments, but um, I try to eat, I try to eat well. I work out every day. For me, it's um, yoga and weightlifting are the two primary things that I do. And, um, uh, and then mentally I, I, well, I play chess, uh, probably not the most exciting pastime that, that folks are going to think about, but, and I read a lot about a lot of different things. What, you know, um, a lot of it's related to money. A lot of it's related to, um, current events, technology. I read a lot of, uh, I, you know, one thing that I enjoy is reading a lot of biographies because you get to, yeah. you get to think about how other people have done maybe some of the things, you know, that we're trying to do, whether it's run a business or whatever. Um, and then I spend a lot of time with family. So, uh, um, yeah, I'd say all of those things help how much I actually show up <laughs> on any given day with my team uh, fortunately, they're not here to contradict me, so I'll say I'm great all the time. <laughs> um, you have made a connection between eating healthy and and being good with money. Uh, yeah. do, do you think that there is there a strong connection? Do you see some relationship between, you know, in, in your world, people who have kind of nailed the health side of things? Does it carry over into the money world? Oh, absolutely. Um, and and there are, you know, it's interesting. So 
part of it is just the ability to delay gratification, right? So when you go eat that ice cream cone, that's the opposite of delayed gratification, uh, right? Um, uh, and, and money is oftentimes the same way. Do you want, do you go out to eat tonight? Uh, or do you, do you buy more home than you probably should? Or do you say, no, I'm going to put that aside that, you know, uh, but, but even scientifically, if you read, um, Charles Duhigg wrote a book, the power of power of habits, I think is the name of it. Um, James Clear wrote another one, atomic habits, which is really mm -hmm. good, but the Duhigg uh, book, I think it's the power of habits. He makes a connection. He says that, if I, if I remember correctly, it's been a couple of years since I read it, but he said, look, those people that we found that those people that develop the habit of working out consistently, we found that they actually start to make better financial decisions. Mm. Uh, and working out is the same idea. I'm going to experience a little bit of un, you know, discomfort and pain now. Not really what you want, but I'm going to do that now so that later I'll get a benefit, right? I mean, that's, it's just like, it's sort of the opposite with food. Food is I'm going to not enjoy that ice cream. By the way, I've got nothing against ice cream and I, I you know, I eat ice cream from time to time, but you know, you, I'm going to delay that and not have it so that later I'll have a benefit. Well, money is very much the same way. I mean, that $25 you put in an IRA is just $25 you can't go out and spend now. And you're doing it, you're making that sacrifice for something down the road. Um, by, by the way, on that point, a lot of folks will say, well, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, why save for when I'm 70? I'm 25. Mm -hmm. now. The thing I would tell that 25 year old is that if you start saving now, the benefit, you don't, you don't wait till you're 70 to enjoy the benefits. When you're 30, mm -hmm. you'll enjoy the benefits of knowing I could lose my job and I'd be okay. Cause I've got money in the bank. Um, or I could have a bad month in my business. I won't be happy about it. I'll, figure out why and try to fix it, but I'm not going to go hungry. So you, the benefits of saving accrue much, much faster than I think a lot of people think. You don't, you, yes, you may be saving for retirement, but some of the best benefits of money come from not spending it. I know that seems counterintuitive, but it's the comfort and peace of mind of knowing I got this. I can handle, I can handle this. Well said. And I think being a business owner, boy, do you need to feel like that often? Yeah. Um, so I think that's a great, great place to wrap the show up. Uh, for everyone listening, I want to remind you about the first ever Women in Paint uh, conference, which is going to be in Nashville in November. We hope everyone can attend. It's going to be filled with amazing speakers and events and lots of information. Rob, I want to thank you for being with me today. I hope we can do this again soon. And until next time, everybody, let's keep the momentum going and make sure you follow us on our Facebook page at Women in Paint. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.